0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts, with your host Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Oh, and the fun continues. Oh, it it does. just doesn't end, Joe. And now it's I coming know. from people. You know, we I people at a, a network I do work for. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I'm not a paid contributor over there. Uh, at Fox but now I get a guy at Fox taking a shot I can't believe it it just um, it never ends folks it is really um, incredible Uh, really I mean mean, uh, what are you gonna do (laughs) Do what are you gonna do Do we we don't even remember we used to use that one a lot yeah (laughs) what are you gonna do (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, folks. I got a lot to get to today. It's just that, you know, you probably tell them a little. (laughs) It's just that it never stops. The attacks never end. If you're a conservative, God forbid you have a different viewpoint. You were, you know, you're supposed to shut up uh, at all points and never open your mouth again because that's what liberals want. And uh, I got a lot on that today. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, They've been with me from the beginning, one of our original sponsors. They've got some great products over there. I spoke yesterday about my favorite um, foundation, a really terrific product. You know, creatine's been a great product, been around for a long time, but Brickhouse Nutrition, uh, they added to it. It's like having uh, two gas tanks in the gym. Creatine's your first, but they added some ATP, creatine plus ATP. It's a great product. I encourage everybody who tries to take the uh, mirror test. Uh, It means uh, try it, take a snapshot of yourself, a mental one. You have to go taking photos or anything. Take a mental snapshot of yourself, what you look like. In a mirror and then seven days later, give it a chance to work and I think you'll be pretty uh, pretty impressed. It's really good stuff. It's called Foundation by Brickhouse Nutrition. They have another great product too, Dawn to Dusk. It's one of the best energy products on the market for those of you having a hard time getting through these really busy times and tough days. Dawn to Dusk is a great way to get through it. It's a 10-hour energy pill. Works great. Uh, really appreciate it if you give their products a look. Dan is the website. That's Brickhousenutrition.com slash Dan. Go check out their products. Uh, they've been a sponsor of me from the beginning. They have really great stuff, so we appreciate them being on board. All right, folks, the... Um McCarthyism is in full effect. This is where we are now. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember Joe, uh, the old Joe McCarthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not—it's yeah. not really a great analogy because it was different historical times. But it's a term the left has used against us for a long time, yep. as many listeners have indicated to me. But um, understand that this is what's happening right now. There is an ongoing effort to shut every conservative voice up right now. I—I uh, I got Howie Kurtz at Fox now coming after me uh, from an appearance I did on Tucker. Uh, saying that uh, somehow I, I suggested somehow that these these students who were speaking out didn't have the right to speak. I I I, I don't know what to say, folks. This is a media critic. Howie Kurtz, who apparently did not even watch the media portion that he's trying to cover. I know Joe's giving me the look like, is this a real story? I'm not kidding, folks. It's up at Mediaite right now. Howie Kurtz denounces Fox News guests for comments on Parkland shooting. He's insinuating that I said at any point that these 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 kids who were traumatized by this should not be allowed to speak. Did he listen to my show? Did he listen to the show I was even on? What I, I know. I'm thinking yeah, the same yeah. thing, Joe. What is this? I wish we had a ditto cam for that one. What are you even talking about, Howie? You're a media critic. That is not what I said. Matter of fact, I said specifically during the T- Tucker Carlson piece that these, these, these kids that were traumatized by this had a very valuable voice. And that the point about the signs missed was, was the part where I think they could be the most valuable. My critique was that of the media that was highlighting the supply side measures of this. as This, is, this was as simple as saying, oh, gun control and all this was going to go away. Are we not allowed to talk are we not allowed to talk anymore? no, I'm serious, man. are we not allowed to talk We're not allowed to have an opinion about anything ever you you, you empathize with people it's fake oh, it's all fake. you guys just want kids dead. Kids speak out. You celebrate them speaking out. You say, listen, I think they, these kids who were traumatized by this could have something really interesting to add to the debate about what the signs were missed and the mental health debate. Right. I think on gun control, just I have a different opinion. All of a sudden, he's trying to shut them up. Can we talk anymore? You don't say anything, you're not sympathizing. You say anything, it's fake. You open your mouth on Twitter, you're a Russian bot. You don't open your mouth on Twitter. Look at these cowards, they're hiding. Do you realize there's nothing we can do? Folks, the truth is on our side. But I... I, I, Again, I'm, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I actually have some good stories today I want to talk about too because I'm, I'm trying to lighten up the mood in light of everything that's going on a little bit and try to frame the stories so that uh, you know, we can get a bit of an emotional break from the trauma of the last couple weeks. But this is getting harder and harder to deal with, folks. I mean, every day you're either a Russian bot, you're either a coward or you're, a, you're an accomplice to murder. This just doesn't end. This is why I I, I I begged and pleaded yesterday with you to please follow us, support us, spread the word if you can, because otherwise there's no way for us by ourselves, Joe and I, to withstand the onslaught. We have a good following, okay? But this is not, the following is not good enough. And it won't end with us. No. No, it won't end with us, Joe. No, just it'll it'll go on to Ben Shapiro next yep. and someone after that. And next thing you know, you'll be stuck again with Joy Reid- uh, and Joe Scarborough is yep. your sources of uh, sources of information. Yep. I have a story in the show notes today. Please check him out at uh, Bongino.com to show you how ridiculous this is. That one of the, you know, because now, Joe, the new line by the left, if you speak out, if you say anything that doesn't toe the line right now, if you say anything at all, mm-hmm. you are now a Russian bot. Interesting. An article up at the show notes today. Who was one of the favorite targets of Russian bots and Mm -hmm. retweeted her stuff often? Joy Reid and MSNBC. I didn't use that name just haphazardly. Is Joy Reid of MSNBC? Is she a Russian bot too? So that was one of their favorite targets for retweets to get their information out. Is Joy Reid a Russian colluder? (laughs) What about Michael Moore, who showed up at a rally that's now strongly believed to have been promoted by uh, by 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 Russians who are interested in sowing chaos? Michael, Michael Moore of 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 far left liberal fame, uh, you know, Michael Moore with all those movies that he did. um, Is he all of a sudden is he a Russian bot, too, or is it just conservatives? What about the Clintons, who now, you know, we found out over the course of this Uranium One investigation, took millions, hundreds of millions in speaking fees from people associated with deals involved with the transfer of uranium to the Russians. Are they Russian bots, too? (sighs) Folks, do you understand this is not going to end? I need you to fight. This is a call to action for you to please, please fight back. Follow us. Spread the word. Spread the word about the show. If you choose, I, I, you know, I'm not not pressuring anybody, but this is, this is getting bad, and it's going to get worse. They see the strategy, they, and you know what they do, Joe? Yeah. They smell weakness, and they smell weak Republicans out there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to move on. Do you believe in what we're doing or not? Do you believe in, in the Second Amendment? Do you believe in the Bill of Rights? Do you believe in the right to speak out? If you believe it, this is the time to do it. Follow, spread the word, stand up. If you're afraid of losing friends on Facebook and Twitter and other forums on speaking out, folks, we're losing the country. Please, I'm, I'm really, I'm humbly asking for your help. We need it. Please spread the word. Okay. Um A lot going on. Let's get to a different story for now. Here's the bottom line. There's a Holman Jenkins story in the Wall Street Journal. It's very good. And it's about John Brennan, the former CIA director's pressure, potential pressure on the FBI, how this could be a story to initiate an investigation. Now, for those of you who listen to the show, you know, it's a really big deal because the Central Intelligence Agency, as I said, does not have a law enforcement mandate. They cannot go and arrest people. Joe wouldn't know. A lot of people don't know that the CIA they're not cops. They're not law enforcement officials. Okay, they're not police officers. They don't have arrest powers. They are intelligence they are an intelligence gathering entity. Now, Brennan goes and briefs Harry Reid in August of 2016. This is important. John Brennan, the CIA director under Obama, briefs Democratic Senator Harry Reid in August. Some of the information then makes it into a letter from Harry Reid To the FBI requesting a criminal investigation, because remember, the CIA can't do that. Where does the information come from? Well, a lot of that information was in the dossier. Why is this interesting and what's wrong here? What's wrong is that John Brennan later says in a hearing, I believe in December, That he doesn't know anything about the dossier, that he's unsure of the details of the dossier to be more precise. Well, how is he unsure of the details if the briefing information that he gives to Harry Reid all of a sudden makes it into a letter where some of that information about the dossier appears in the letter in a request to investigate? I've told you this is the next shoe to drop. This is very suspicious material here. The CIA... Should not be pressuring people, especially the FBI, to engage in law enforcement operations unless there's some significant, you know, hey, listen, we got an intelligence, uh, you know, intelligence feed on a potential terror attack. There may be a need to make an arrest, of course, but against political opponents, this is very strange. So John Brennan, a former CIA director, director, is running for the hills. But Jenkins brings up an interesting point. You know, I, I said the other day and some other outlets picked it up, Joe, I don't know if you noticed, I saw it on Hannity and Limbaugh picked it up too. how the indictment of the 13 Russians is curious, because for all the talk in the indictment about the involvement in the election by the Russians in an attempt to meddle mm-hmm. for all the talk about that, folks, they don't actually charge the Russians with with donating or making financial contributions in a way to, to uh to uh, distort the election. They don't charge them with that. Mm. And I had said to you, based on the piece I put in the show notes, that I thought that was quite curious. And I think it speaks to some involvement with the Hillary Clinton campaign and Russians that may be, uh, let's say, that may not look good for the Clinton campaign. And I think Mueller may be afraid. Does this make sense, Joe? If you, yeah. if you listen to the show the other day, it will. That they did not charge the Russians with basically election fraud-based crimes. Uh, based on that, they charge him with wire fraud and conspiracy. And I think it's because the involvement of Hillary in the Russians is going is, to is a little more intense than we're being led to believe. And if Mueller sets a precedent, Joseph, mm-hmm. that that, the, you know, Russian election fraud and Russian election money and Russian attempts to influence the political process, if they charge him with that specific crime, I think Hillary uh, is, in fact, in more trouble than we've been led to believe. And I think that may be why they didn't do that because Hillary seems to always get a pass. They're like the Teflon dons um, of politics. Um, here's the problem. Uh, Jenkins says, "Listen, the CIA has a lot of information, Joe. They obviously have information um, you know we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I mean I think that goes without saying. They have a level of clearance, Joe, and I don't have. We're not read in on skiff type programs anymore, right? And, uh, we, this is not a skiff. This is a <laughs> podcast." But uh, I, I was an SCI-cleared Secret Service agent for a while, and they probably have a lot of info. And the interesting angle he brings up is that they probably have information on Steele's contacts with the Russians as well that may be a little bit more extensive, folks. Now, this is really troubling because Steele's a foreign agent himself. Remember, just because Steele used to work with MI6, the British intelligence uh, outfit, uh, they, and they are a friendly country to us, so I want to be clear on that. Uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, that but that doesn't matter. He is still a foreign agent. He is not a U.S. citizen. I don't want to put words in Jenkins' mouth, but it's interesting how he says if they have more information there, and in his extensive context, were were are you know we don't know about them. I mean, what level of involvement does Hillary have with the Russians, folks? This could be more frightening than we know. And I think in those 30,000 emails that are missing, which I don't believe are missing, by the way, there may be some more information there to uncover a more extensive web of of, uh, of contacts between Hillary and Russians. We already know about Skolkovo, which I told you about the other day which was, uh, sorry, the Silicon Valley. (laughs) I think I said Silicon. Thank you for all the corrections. (laughs) Uh, Silicon Valley of, of Russia and how these companies that were investing over there, uh, something like 17 of the 28 companies uh, made donations to the Clinton Foundation. And the FBI found later on that these attempts to establish this tech hub, Joe, in Russia were really attempts to steal dual use technology for potential Russian military use. These companies donated to Hillary Clinton. Now, the CIA must have some intelligence on this. They must have some, uh, you know, something on Steele's context there. And if those contexts are a little more elaborate, who was financing those Russians and are those Russian networks involved also um, in some attempts to influence Hillary Clinton while using Christopher Steele to attack Donald Trump through the dossier. That's a, it's it's a really interesting story. Unfortunately, I can't put the story in the show notes because it's subscriber only, but I I thought I'd bring it up because that th- there may be some information there we don't know about and I just think that may uh that may change the tide of this uh of this case if it becomes public and I think it's time that if we not you know as long as it's not sources and methods that the public's entitled to know. So just to be clear what I'm saying here is I think the indictments against the Russians may have been written in such a way to minimize Minimize the crime of trying to influence politicians in the United States precisely because Hillary's contacts with the Russians through steel may have been more extensive than we know at this point. That's what I'm saying. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's important. It's important. I get that out there. Okay, uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Simply Safe. Listen, this is a company that's been around for many years. They're great. My mother-in-law absolutely loves Simply Safe. There's no better uh, home security team out there. They've transformed into the fastest-growing home security company in the nation. They protect over 2 million people. That's a lot of folks. Well, they just released their brand new home security system, the all new Simply Safe. Really excited about this. The system's been completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, down Wi Fi, cut landlines, hammers, bats, everything in between. This is a really terrific system. You know, I was a former uh, agent, so I'm really into these things, and this is a really, really good product. The all new Simply Safe was redesigned to be practically invisible with powerful sensors so small you hardly notice them. You know who will, though? Intruders. Simply Safe spent years building this system. They added so much, but you still get the same fair and honest price. 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. That's $15. $15 a month. That's it. And there's no contract. These guys are great. You know, I talked to them on the phone, Joe. And the reason they don't do contracts is they don't need them. People love it so much. Yeah. They they go with Simply Safe and they never go away. So but you don't need a contract with them. It's smaller, faster, and stronger than anything they've built before, but supply is very limited. Visit SimplySafe.com slash Bongino now to order. That's simply S I M P L I safe.com slash Bongino to protect your home and family today. Simply safe.com slash Bongino. Go check them out. These are really good. Uh, That's really good company folks. We appreciate you supporting the sponsors there. Um, okay. Um, another thing I want to talk about, there's a, This is a great piece uh, I will have in the show notes from the Washington Times. Joe, it's back again. You're going to be like, please, Dan, why do we have to do this again? We have to because you know how these things work. Yes. Uh, They continue to creep. Remember this story about Obama being a deficit cutter we used to address all the time so much so even some of the listeners were like, (laughs) all right, we get it. It's happening again, folks, because the Democrats want to paint Obama as some big deficit and and debt cutter, and they want to paint the Trump team. I know Joe's shaking his head like, really? Is this thing coming back? It is. Great Washington Times piece that entirely debunks this. Now, at one point in the piece, to be clear, in the Times, which will be in the show notes, um, it does say that um, – uh, it, 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 it and it's sorry, I get distracted a bit here. It, it says that uh, were, the Clinton team ran surpluses, which we know the Clinton surplus is not in fact true. Sure. They didn't run surpluses. There was never a surplus in any year uh, based on standard accounting measures, but it's a good piece otherwise. And uh, it, it, it says a couple things I want to get out there. Number one, let's debunk the myth that Obama cut the deficit by 60%. Okay, this is done using. Absolutely tortured statistics, and it's done in a way to deceive you into thinking that Obama and his team were somehow fiscally responsible. Let me explain how they do this, because technically speaking, they're not inaccurate, but they're doing it hoping you're confused by the difference between debt and deficits. Yeah. When Obama comes in and forgive me if you've heard this before, but when Obama comes into office, his first year deficit, and to be fair, this is not entirely attributable to him. The first year fiscal policy obviously has some remnants left over from the prior administration. But let's just stick with the first year to show you how they get the number. His first year deficit, meaning the amount of money the government spends in contrast to the amount of money they take in is $1.4 trillion. Folks, that was a record by far. It was an astronomical amount of money. I, I mean, a, a staggering amount of money. Now, the year prior under Bush, and again, I'm just, to be fair, Bush does have something to do uh, with that that first year because there's some bleed over. So I'm just trying to be fair. But the last year of Bush the deficit, Joe, is $459 billion. Right. So $459 billion, first year of Obama, $1.4 trillion. Now... When Obama leaves office, the deficit is four hundred and thirty-eight billion uh, in two thousand fifteen. So I'm not even going to talk about because two thousand sixteen it actually goes up a bit. But I'm, I'm I'm folks I'm straining to even give their team the benefit of the doubt, not because I want to do that, but to show you the absolute rank absurdity of their argument. How silly! Um, in fact, it is. It's a, it's an insane argument. Okay, Obama's last year in office, the deficit is almost as high as the highest deficit Bush ever produced at $459 billion. His was four thirty eight billion when Obama left. So if you're going to think about it that way, yeah, technically the deficits did go down under Obama from $1.4 trillion to $438, trillion, uh, $438 billion, excuse me. The point I'm trying to make is that they're using that statistic as a way to manipulate you into thinking that this was somehow some fiscally responsible policy. Folks, Obama's smallest deficit is is the smallest deficit of any president in American history is up there with the largest ever <laughs> his smallest deficit his largest is by far the largest ever at 1.4 trillion but it requires you to understand or it, it, i think they're trying to manipulate you they're trying to confuse you by saying that he's a deficit cutter to insinuate that he's fiscally responsible when Barack Obama is, in fact, the president responsible for the largest accumulation of debt in American history. There's not even a close second. Obama accumulated between, uh, you know, uh, nine and ten trillion dollars in, in debt over the course of his presidency. It's a staggering number. Staggering. It, it, there's there, you know, there's not even a close second, folks. Now the debt is the accumulated debt over time. You know, if I owe $50,000 on a credit card I've been using for 10 years, that's mm-hmm. the debt. But if next year I take in say $100,000 in revenue and spend 150, my next year deficit, uh, accounting deficit is $50,000. So they're using this 60% number to insinuate that there was some kind of fiscal responsibility. Now, having said that, folks, I am not absolving in any way Republicans of their role in running up big deficits. The deficits were quite low in some of the years of the Clinton presidency. They almost balanced the budget. One of those years, as a matter of fact, almost. They never did. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying to you that media outlets' attempt to propagandize you by insisting that he was some kind of a massive deficit cutter and therefore his budgets and and his uh, his zeal for enhanced government spending were somehow a form of fiscal responsibility are utterly outrageous and completely ridiculous so please don't buy that nonsense and read the piece in the washington times for some comparison so you can see the numbers yourself you don't have to take my word for it i actually uh, i i i I hope and pray you know you don't go and seek out other sources of information too. But that's how confident I am uh, that this stuff is complete garbage and bunk. Okay, Um, another thing. Thanks to a listener out there, I had spoken about an article I don't know two three shows ago by Jonah Goldberg. It turns out it was at Town Hall, not National Review, but it's a really good article. It'll be at the show notes today, and I really encourage you um, to read it. Remember the article, Joe, we discussed about the the war on smoking. And how the federal government and, you know, the uh, industries out there and that, you know, that that, and basically American interests that wanted to get you to stop smoking were very successful because they understood smokers and they understood, uh, you know, everybody had a smoker in their family and they understood how to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I suggested to you that in the Goldberg piece, one of the um, one of the good takeaways from it is that you know the the left is going to fail on the on the gun issue because they make no attempt to understand us ever they they just don't know gun owners they don't know the language but you know people had a mom a cousin goldberg someone found the piece it's a really good piece i encourage you to read it it'll be at the show notes uh thank you to the listeners sent it in but that'll be in there i didn't mean to spend a lot of time repeating a story i already talked about but it's it's a it's a good piece about the psychology of getting people uh to move in a direction and how to get people to do things and how i think this this gun control debate, and I'm using air quotes because there's not a debate, as you've seen, There's just an effort to silence the rest of us, is going to fail because they're not interested in what we have to say. They're just interested in shutting us down, as you've seen with all this Twitter stuff going on and all this other, I mean, it's just, it's wearing me down, folks. It really is. It's just total nonsense what's going on. All right, uh, another important story, because the liberals are, are celebrating over this, and the redistricting debate is coming, uh, coming about again. The redistricting, there's a, there's a, uh, it, it Pennsylvania. You may have heard yeah. the story in Pennsylvania, where the Democrats over, overturned the dem because they're elected uh, judges and and Democrat elected judges basically overturned, overturned the Pennsylvania congressional map to make it more favorable to the Democrats. Now you may say, well, the legislature in Pennsylvania made it more favorable to Republicans. Okay, you may not like that, but that's what the law dictates. Joe, the legislature draws up the maps, not right. the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this case may go to the Supreme Court eventually. We'll see. There is a redistricting case. Ironically, I was involved in that's headed to the Supreme Court. But I just want to explain to you quickly for your liberal friends who talk about this, that the redistricting problem and the Democrats argument about not having political representation is a function of their own choices. Now, yes, there is this gerrymandering exists? Of course it does, absolutely. Do Republicans, when they're in power, try to, get, try to get more seats at the state and federal level by, by carving up lines? Of course. Do Democrats do the same thing? Of course. I mean, it happens all over the place. Yep. Now, I'm just trying to explain to you, though, that the, the disadvantages of being a Democrat right now have more to do with geographic concentration than anything. Here's what I mean by that, folks. Republicans tend to spread out a little bit. They spread out between urban, suburban, uh, agricultural-type communities. They tend to live in geographically different spaces. Democrats, um, it, of course, we're not talking categorically, but Democrats don't, Joe. Democrats tend to concentrate in places like big cities. Yeah. So what winds up happening? The concentration of Democrats gets quite intense. So what you'll have is you'll have a district in, say, New York City or Washington, D.C., um, where literally, I get it, Washington, I know it's not a stand, just play the game for a minute, where, where Hillary Clinton gets 98% of the vote or 94% of the vote. So what happens? What it, Joe, Am I? this is not complicated math, but 51% is enough to win, correct? Yeah. 50 plus 1 right i mean in races where it's a it's a plurality you may need even less than that in some primaries yeah. you only need 51 out of 100 votes to win you don't need 98 the problem is democrats choose to collectively live in cities so what happens, Joe? You have these races, 90-10, you know, 95 Hillary, 5% Trump, mm-hmm. and they have what the Democrats at least are calling wasted votes. They're not wasted. They're just people tend to live. They don't, you, your vote still counts. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't add to the win. It just buffers the margin of the win, right? But it still counts. The Democrats are suggesting that these wasted votes are somehow a result of Republican uh, gerrymandering and packing them into 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 districts. but. Yes, some of the lines have something to do with that, but folks, there's simply no way if you're a Democrat in Manhattan for Republicans, if say the Republicans take over New York. There's just going to be no way to carve up Manhattan in a way to significantly make a difference. You may get one Republican seat out of it, Joe, but you get what I'm saying? There's just not enough Republicans in Manhattan for you to, what, slice a building in half and say, you guys on the left side, it's just not going to work. The concentration of Democrats and what they call the wasted votes is too intense. Republicans spread out a little more. So Whereas Democrats are winning seats 95-5, 90-10, Republicans are winning seats 52-48. Mm-hmm. Fifty-five, forty-five, and they're, they're you know they're just barely getting by, but it gives them a number of more seats because the way they're spread out. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So I just I'm not suggesting again that we're not. There's not a partisan interest here in carving up districts in a way to benefit either party. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just telling you that the majority of the problem, even if you were to engage in a massive countrywide redistricting, Democrats, it's where you live. I mean, I'm not telling you to move out to increase your political or decrease your political clout. I'm just saying as a result of your decisions, you're having a tougher time uh, representing yourself outside of the big cities, right? It's and it's it's just gonna. I'm telling you, I'm you. You hear it on this show first. We tend to focus on issues here. I think you may not see that much in the mainstream media, but I'm sure are gonna filter their way into the conversation. Be very careful about the talking points. Oh, it's all Republican gerrymandering. Listen, one Democrats gerrymander too. That's the takeaway. They gerrymander too. I've seen it in Maryland. I was yeah. a victim of it. Lost a congressional seat by one point that was held by a Republican before they uh, gerrymandered it by. Uh, but he went by tw- 20 points, Roscoe Bartlett, and then they yeah. put a bunch of Montgomery County Democrats in the district and, it, you know, the district was lost. So I've been a victim of it. But secondly, yes, uh, partisan, uh, you know, partisan carving up of districts happens on both sides. But number two, the Democrats are concentrated in ways Republicans aren't. And it's almost impossible for them to spread their influence. You can't move a guy who lives in Manhattan to a district in Staten Island. You can't do it. There's just no way. They're not contiguous. It's impossible to do. That's why they're having the problem. It's important you understand the distinction there. All right. uh, I got a couple more good ones today, so don't go anywhere. Some optimistic stories, finally. Hey, uh, last one today. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at GoTenna. Have you tried this out yet? This is super cool. If you guys are ladies out there, campers, outdoors types, you just like to be prepared. Here's a good one. You live in a hurricane zone like I do where communication networks go down. This is the coolest product. When I originally saw it, I was blown away. It's called GoTenna. Like Antenna, would a Go. Gotenna, uh-huh. G-O-T-E-N-N-A. And I looked it up. I thought, I have got to get me one. This product is terrific. Gotenna Mesh, it's a tiny but mighty device. It pairs with any smartphone to enable the first 100% Off-grid, mobile, long-range, consumer-ready mesh network. In other words, your Wi-Fi goes down, your cell network goes down, you got to go, Tenna, your buddy's got to go, Tenna, you're out there in the woods, you guys can communicate, you can text, this is super cool, this product. It sends text and GPS locations immediately and automatically, privately, one-to-one, or to groups, or as public shouts, without any cell service routers, towers, or satellites. This thing is awesome. Perfect to maintain connectivity and create a backup network when off-grid exploring, traveling internationally. That's a good one. You don't want to pay for the cell service internationally. Get yourself a Gotenna. You and your kids. It's great. Or emergency situations where power and consequently cell service is unreliable and unavailable. It's a revolutionary technology. It's the first company of its kind to use phones to communicate without that kind of backup. The cell internet or satellite service. The future is now. It's compatible with any iOS or Android device. Helps you leverage the smartphone you already have in your pocket. Whether you're outdoors, emergency circumstances, whatever it may be, Gotenna is vital where cell service or Wi-Fi is unavailable, unreliable, even unaffordable. Folks, it's a really good product. Go check it out. Uh, Promo code DAN35 for $35 off at Gotenna.com. That's G-O-T-E-N-N-A.com. Gotenna.com. Promo code DAN35. Check it out. It's a really cool product. All right. Some good news. So let me see. Oh, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting so many emails and texts. It's like overwhelming. Joe, I'm sorry, by the way, to torture you today in the That's show. Okay. So folks, Joe is uh, one of the finest. I mean this, uh, producers here in the business, but I have tortured him on today's show. <laughs> you may sense it throughout the show. I have been, I am, it's been rough. My sincere apologies. Everybody tweet Joe at Joe Haas with a Z1 if you like the show and thank him for doing about two hours of edits on today. It's been kind of tough, yeah. Oh, poor guy. He's like taking notes. I'm like, Joe, please. That one, this one, that one. All right. Uh, It's good news, folks. Council of Economic Advisors released their growth forecast. This is really, really good news. And it looks like everybody's starting to come around to the new growth reality, that the, what the left calls secular stagnation. In other words, uh, this was a, a theory that uh, – let me explain this the right way. Because if you don't get this, you're, gonna, you're not going to understand a lot of the left's not rhetorical nonsense and the games they play. The left at the end of the Obama administration was desperate to explain away the paltry growth rates. Just to be clear, folks, Obama's growth rates during his time in office measured by GDP were some of the lowest in history. Matter of fact, he's the first president in American history to not reach 3% growth in any year of his presidency. Those are troubling numbers. The left needed an excuse. So they started to bandy about this theory of secular stagnation. Secular stagnation was a, a, a far-left liberal economic talking point. And the idea, Joe, was that, well, you know what? This is the new normal, low economic growth. And the gist of it being everything that's been invented has been invented. And this may just be the way 1% in 2% may be the new normal for the future. Uh, by the way, that's not Barack Obama's fault. That's them saying it, not me. Yeah. Just so we're clear, bud. Now, interesting. Trump's only in office a year. Council of Economic Advisors comes out and says, hey, Growth for 2018, Joe, looks like 3.1%, which kind of sa- says to the secular stagnation is no thanks, have a nice day, but thanks for playing the game. Not to mention, Joe, it also says we may be looking at 3.1% through 2020. Now, my opinion, folks, I think after the tax cuts, I think that's a low number. I think we could hit 3.5. Now, remember, if we... Remember the rule of sevens for you finance people? Yeah. You know, your, your investments double in 10 years. That works for economic growth as well. At 3.5% in 20 years, the real economy would double. If we can hit 3.5% in our lifetimes, I'm 43, by the time I'm 63 years old, you will be looking at a real economy that doubled. I mean, what's the average median income? $45,000, $40,000 or something? If the economy were to in fact double, the median income would be ninety grand, eighty grand in real money in today's dollars, folks. This is impressive. Now they're forecasting three point one in the report, but I again I think it could get higher if we can keep this going for a good strong period of time. Again, in our lifetimes, we could be looking at an even more vibrant, robust economy. I think there's a good reason to smile. You know, the, the you know the Council of Economic Advisors... Uh, is Is everything they say gospel no, of course not, but I think the fact that the secular stagnationists um you know oh everything that's been invented has been invented, and the government's going to be the source of growth in the future, right. I think we can finally start to put some of them uh out to uh, out to pasture their theories and say, hey, listen guys really it, this is obviously garbage and nonsense now corresponds with another uh Rasmussen poll uh, Rasmussen poll, which i 'll put in the uh show notes today I'd like you to take a look at where Trump approval has now popped to 48%, folks. Now, you may say, well, you know, figures are relative. What was Obama's at this time in his presidency? Obama's was 45. So, folks, the arguments about... Trump, uh, how he's, you know, his approval is historically low and people can't stand Trump are not really based in reality. Now, I'm not a big believer in the polls anyway because uh, obviously they failed horribly during the Trump election, Joe, but I find it interesting that even the polls the liberals are trying to use are so dramatically skewed that they're painting a really uh, ridiculous and unnecessarily bad portrait of where Trump stands. Now, to be clear what I think this is about, I think this has a lot to do, uh, folks this has a lot to do with the fact that people are actually seeing the results in their own paychecks you know it's very difficult we saw this with the reagan years yeah when you engage in a tax cutting program now if we can accompany it with government spending it'd be even better but one of the things about government spending that that government spending cuts and government spending in general that doesn't have a hugely positive effect on approval ratings is it's not seen as real money sometimes If I don't explain this right, stop me. But I I think the way it works is people assume government debt is somehow not going to hit them. like it, it, Because it hasn't right away. I told you about interest rates. That interest rates as they go up, because people won't lend us money as we get farther and farther in debt, will be the canary in the coal mine. But the reality is, Joe, they haven't yet. I mean, interest rates are still very low. Matter of fact, they're historically low. And people aren't going and getting car loans at 19%. They're not getting mortgages at 15%. And I don't wish that to happen. I think it's going to, sadly, if we don't get our spending situation under control. But the point I'm trying to make, Joe, is that, It hasn't hit people in the wallet. So people, it's not going to affect approval ratings as much as it should because people don't see an instant impact from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. With tax cuts, and we saw this in the Reagan years when he cut the top rate from 70 to 28%, people saw immediate income effects in their own paychecks. You're seeing that now uh, with people getting bonuses, with people getting raises. Um, this is really uh, dramatic stuff. And I think that's what's leading to this corresponding bump in Trump's approval ratings. And if we can continue the economic growth, as as, uh, as James Carville is alleged to have said to Bill Clinton once, it's the economy, stupid. I think the Democrats are going to have a really difficult um, and hard time Combating the, the the Trump economic powerhouse that's that's been created since the secular stagnationists and the Obamaites have have left office, they're going to have a really tough time explaining it away. I mean, what are you going to say to people if they get a job at you know seventy and eighty thousand dollars a year and they were working for forty and fifty before? What are right. you going to say to people if they get a two three thousand dollar bonus? What are you going to say to people if they get a promotion? You know, what are you going to say to people when their kids get a job? Are you going to continue with the? Are you going to be the crumbs and collusion party forever? I mean, is that going to be your your your? Democracy? Democrat campaign slogan for 2018 and 2020? Crumbs, crumbs, economic crumbs. This is all crumbs. Thousands of dollars is not crumbs. Collusion, collusion. Is this the best you've got? Folks, I think they're in a lot of trouble if they continue this stuff. I don't think there's a viable path forward electorally. Remember, Reagan won 49 states. The only state he lost in re election was Minnesota, which was Mondale's home state. And he only lost that state by a couple of thousand, I think it was 3,000 votes because his economic plan was so popular. He won Maryland, New York, California. So the economy, and I'm not giving Democrats advice. I'm just saying, if this is going to be your campaign plan going forward, um, good luck. This is That is a complete loser. All right. Uh, here's a story I saw yesterday at the Wall Street Journal, which uh, I thought was interesting. And it just speaks to what I was talking about yesterday, Joe, during the uh, the show about how the conservative economy may be the only path forward. Hmm. The stories about this growth in a la carte type programming, um, it's not so much about cord cutters, cord cutters meaning people who disconnect from cable. But it's about the growth in Netflix and HBO and podcasting, and it's a really good story. And it says, listen, a lot of these people who may have been cable talents before— Or entertainers who wouldn't have been given a platform on whatever, ESPN or Comedy Central, whatever it may be, are now starting their own shows. And they're selling them to Netflix and other places, and they're doing quite well, and people are listening and watching. And it applies to me. I mean, this show is called The Dan Bongino Show. I always joke with people, it's amazing. They found a guy named you know Dan Bongino to host the the show called the Dan Bongino show. I know it's a horrible joke my wife hates it but <laughs> for some reason I can't stop telling stupid jokes. But the show that's what this is. It's a la carte. It's on demand. You get it on demand. It's free to you. We hope to keep it that way for a long time. But this is growing as a as a platform. And one of the examples they give is the guy who did that show Talk Soup on what was it on E or whatever it is. He's on Netflix now and he has this really low budget show that's him talking about it, not me. And he's, he said at one point, he jokes, he goes, if we're not the lowest budget show on Netflix, I'd be astonished. But the show apparently does pretty well. I don't know the guy's name. It doesn't really matter. I bring this up because, folks, even in a la carte programming, in the future, the distribution networks are going to matter. And this is where this war on conservatives and libertarians is not going to stop. If the distribution channel now is cable, And let's say the Dan Bongino show, like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have the Dan Bongino show on cable. Why? Well, he's a conservative. You effectively have cut me off from doing that. It's going to be up to places like Netflix and HBO to provide alternate kind of counter programming, the liberal stuff as well. Why do I bring up HBO? I'm not targeting anybody here. I'm just saying HBO just picked up Pod Save America, Uh. which is a very popular podcast done by some former Obama officials. And let me say, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I am not being silly or, or, or ridiculous about it. Congratulations to the guys who started Pod Save America. They are liberals. They're leftists. Yeah, but nice job. You put put together a business model. People like your product, like people like ours. And unlike a lot of liberals out there, and I'm not saying the Pod Save America people are calling for any kind of a boycott or anything like that, um, but a lot of liberals are. They just don't want conservative voices. I applaud them. HBO just picked them up, Joe. I don't know what they're going to do, like a video version, I guess, of Pod Save America. I'm I'm not really sure. But I applaud them. I don't, I don't, I, you know, again, I vehemently disagree with their political views, uh-huh. but that's, you know, America's a vibrant, flourishing country where ideas should be able to flourish. My complaint is that I can guarantee you, Joe, guarantee you that if our political, keep in mind, we may not be as popular as Pod Save America, but I assure you, we're not far away. Yeah. Um, this show that Joe and I put together, thanks t- exclusively to you, has gone bonkers. I am, almost positive that if we were to approach hbo and to say hey you know you guys entertain this for doing a video show that one of the i don't want to speak for them in advance but i think it would be an issue that our show was political but conservative political yeah my problem with the whole thing is when you're if the default position is liberalism is acceptable and conservatism isn't it's a free market I can't be clear about this. As I said yesterday about Twitter, they're free to do whatever they want. It's their company, Facebook too. So is HBO. They're free to pick up and not pick up whoever they want, Joe. Netflix as well. I'm just saying, us as consumers, we have to find a way to bypass this. And I think the way to circumvent and bypass these distribution networks, am I clear, you get what I'm talking about here? Netflix and others in the future is going to be to go to subscriber-only models that are funded by you and you go and pick out what you want. You go to NRA TV, you go to Bongino.com, you go to CRTV and you pick out the programming you want and you, you, you pay for the program. It's the only way to put it on. I, you know, if I could do it for free and was independently wealthy, I'd be more than happy to do it. But again, I applaud these guys. I just wish the favor would be returned on our end because folks, as I said to you yesterday during the show, and I'll tell you again today, I don't, I don't, bore you with a lot of the internal details some of them actually aren't even that boring but i don't want you know i don't want to share too much sometimes because i don't want to give anybody else ideas but the pressure going on behind the scenes to silence a lot of conservatives out there is really dramatic and at some point we are really uh, desperately um, gonna need your help i mean it's happening at conferences did you see this thing with the, this oh I'm, I'm sorry folks one more story i didn't mean to, to get off track but this is important It's even happening in relatively conservative areas. The NRA is having their convention in Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, not exactly a a bastion of liberalism. Now, to be clear, a lot of Democrats in Dallas, no question about it. But there are political officials in Dallas pushing for the NRA to move their convention out of Dallas. Yeah. Folks, it doesn't stop. I mean, if Planned Parenthood wanted to have its convention in New York City... I. Listen, I uh, I I absolutely object to everything Planned Parenthood does. But Planned Parenthood can speak out. They can have a convention if they'd like. I mean, I, you're not going to see me telling the you know Madison Square Garden or wherever they were to do it uh, that yeah you guys can't host these people. This is the battle that's going on behind the scenes. I mean, if we can't even host a convention um, in Dallas, then folks, you know, we're in a world of trouble. And this is the kind of stuff I need you to be on the lookout for, and that is why I desperately need your support, and I need you to spread the word about the show. I'm I, Again, I my sincere apologies for asking you for favors. Um, we try not to do that. We try to just provide you a show and be low-maintenance, but there's a really sincere and... and uh, tough battle going on behind the scenes and i could use your help in advancing the cause folks and uh, thanks to everyone who has supported us and the show uh please go to bongino.com check out the show notes today i think you'll like me have some good selections and uh please spread the word and join my email list i'll send these uh, articles as always right to your inbox i really appreciate it thanks folks if you're at cpac by the way please come say hello i'll be at the NRA tv both be at NRA nre tv booth i'd be happy to talk to you